Welcome back to the Akatak Podcast. As always, I'm your host, the most deplorable actions a person can commit, Jay. Joining us is my co-host, doing it for the vine, Z. How are you doing today, Z? I'm doing pretty well. That's good to hear. Good to hear. We've got a bit of snow falling today. You got that? Oh, you got some snow? Where you're at? Yeah. No, I do not have any snow. First snow of the season, which is, it's, eh, well, I was going to say it's kind of rare that it's this late, which it is, but it's, I suppose it's not unheard of either. Yeah, one thing that makes it a bit, I don't know, it's glad it's come, but you know, it being 70 earlier in the month, never well, gets the thing. Always, it's a more, It's a more abrupt switch for sure. Yeah, it's always it's always fun to wear shorts and like, oh, it's nice, I can wear shorts, all the, all the leaves are changing, nice breeze, and I realize, wait a minute, it's November, I should mm-hmm. be wearing shorts right now, and mm-hmm. then I go, hmm, then I go, I won't think about it, and I distract myself. Sounds good, that's what I do usually too, yeah, I like that. Oh, yeah. The horrors of the world are too great for my tiny little mind. That's right. So this week, Jake, we had a bit of oh, a yeah. bit of a media phenomenon, one of the big big events of this year, and of course, I'm talking about uh, my cousin's uh, high school drama club production of Into the Woods. So, Ooh, wow, it's great shit, right? How'd you that find good, it? The big event. Uh, I found it. I found it pretty good. Uh, some. Some little departures from the original musical, but I th- overall, I think it helped. To be the, expected, uh, of course. To right? be expected, of course. It's a high school production. They can't do everything. But I think it kept the overall spirit pretty strong. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. When it's on course to make $200 million. So, <laughs> Wow. Opening. Wow. That's, that's yeah, pretty powerful. A real strong opening. You think it's got Oscar potential? Oh, I, Jack, I think it's going to be a clean sweep. <laughs> clean. Wow. A, a Return of the King situation. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Just an Incredible. absolute an absolute sweep at the Oscars this year. I, I see, I see directors, you know, lead actor, supporting actor nods all the way around score score. Oh, the score. I mean, come on. No, but, uh, that is a thing I actually did see this weekend and it was quite good. I must say, but, uh, that's not, of course, what we're actually talking about. That was a bit of a bait and switch for, for you, the audience. Hey, don't hope you didn't turn off the episode. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Well, if we have actually, this won't matter because well, anyway, <laughs> so anyways the actual big event we saw this week was wakanda forever yeah the second black panther film mm-hmm. uh much anticipated movie. oh yeah like a uh, yeah crazy event right yeah, for lots the end of reasons of, obviously the end of phase four uh yeah and so it's uh i thought it was pretty good we'll get our, uh, right off the bat right here with general feelings oh, i yeah. was definitely as we definitely have mentioned throughout the history of the show because this thing since our show's been a thing this movie's been announced and the possible tri- uh, trepidations someone might have for it for Ty Boseman's death uh, I was pretty good all, all oh, things yeah. considered I enjoyed it very much uh, I wasn't always afraid of the too much in the how are they just gonna be like Ty Boseman dead and they were like oh goofy Marvel lore and it was a pretty good mix of the two and uh, a little then didn't, didn't need to be 20 hours and 40 minutes though I don't think I think I could uh could co-sign pretty much all of that. Yeah, they had, you know, it's undeniable that the filmmakers going into this had a, you know, incredibly unenviable task ahead of them um, mm-hmm. with all the, yeah, of course, the the real world goings on with this. And I think for the most part, they, they definitely stuck the landing. Um, I don't know if it's going to make everyone happy, but I think it they did the best with the, the direction they decided to take it, right? And uh, mm. I think I don't know how much we've, we've talked about it on the show here, but I definitely was one of those people who held the opinion, at least for a time, that like maybe the best thing to do would be to to recast someone else in the role of T'Challa, right? 
Um, because mm-hmm. my thought was like, I you know, I, I I suppose I liked the idea that even though Chaddock's gone, like his character need not die with him. Um, right. Yeah. And I suppose I still like that idea, like in in an abstract sort of way. But definitely heard some interviews and and uh, some of the the filmmakers and the people involved with it. Their their thoughts on it recently definitely brought me around. Where I was like, yeah, it's easy for me to think that as a person who just watches these movies as movies to be like, oh well. He was an actor, get a different actor, I suppose. But obviously the reality is that the people who made this movie, you know, they, they knew him, they actually knew him as a real person. And so to, to expect them to put that all aside and just make a new movie with a new guy isn't realistic or fair, I think. So yeah, I think the, the way they decided to tackle it for this movie was, is pretty good. And again, I think it, it mostly, uh, it mostly delivered, I must say. Yeah, I'd certainly say so. Uh, of course, spoilers. Well, I thought, for the whole movie. Do you want to do a little bit of non-spoilers first? I kind of thought maybe this movie was deserving of it. Okay. Yeah, we do a little bit of non-spoiler stuff. So just uh, the general plot here, right, is basically dealing head-on with, with that. So T'Challa has passed from an undisclosed illness, and uh, basically in the in that sort of the vacuum that that leaves behind and the absence of both their king and the Black Panther... Um, there's like forces in the world that are trying to capitalize on that and take advantage of Wakanda, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, basically, the the main form that it takes is trying to get vibranium, which is pretty consistent through a lot of the Black Panther Wakanda focused stories in the MCU. Here is that what uh, vibranium is obviously incredibly desirable. So um, basically, yeah. the United States in particular, their uh, desire for vibranium leads them leads them to some places where they. They end up running afoul of a of a third party here, uh, a new group led by obviously we know the villain being uh, Namor, and uh, every it just all kind of comes to a head. We get a bit bit of a of a three way uh, conflict here at times, where people are kind of our heroes are pulled in different directions, and they there's some some moral dilemmas to deal with here, isn't there? And uh, yeah, so that's kind of the general gist. It's a gist. Uh, I guess for if we're gonna keep them with non-spoilers um so for general thoughts about i guess namor because he's the newcomer sure really liked namor uh i thought he's just really interesting i thought he was the i don't know the actor's name off the top of my head i realize but i never do so i thought he was portrayed very well thought he was a compelling he had like a motivation uh, and yeah i thought i thought he was a good addition and i'm excited to see where he's going forward he was less of his comic dickhead as he is in the comics like he's the worst in the comics and in this one i think he's I guess much more relatable and more like you can see where he's coming from in a lot of cases. Obviously, sometimes he goes a little far, but you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I uh, he's, he's I think he still has shades of that, uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, he, he. They also have changed up the the origin of Namor and uh, it's well the the origin of Atlantis and that strictly speaking in this movie it's it's not Atlantis. Uh, but yeah, I, I think there's shades of that still where he's got a bit of an arrogance to him at times and he's got like a. It's kind of different, but there is still something there of like there's a there's a few few moments where he just kind of uh, I don't know you don't know what the word would be he just sort of like pokes fun at people and like gets a says things just to get a reaction out of characters in a few instances, which is mm-hmm. kind of fun. Um, yeah, but yeah, he's I mean he's great. He's super. I would say he's quite compelling. Um, he definitely kind of continues in the, the vein of like Killmonger as a villain who has relatively understandable motivations, even if maybe the full extent of them and the execution of everything he wants to do isn't really uh, 
commendable, but his his overall yeah the driving force is is pretty understandable. Mm. Um, also newcomer, right? We have uh, and on so the other side we have Riri Williams, who we knew right, yes, in this sure. one. So the first appearance of Ironheart. Um, I remember thinking it kind of weird that this was going to be our first introduction to her, uh, just because traditionally that her her origin at least isn't really tied up in anything uh, Wakandan, right? But um, I think it the way it plays out is all pretty good. It's n- nothing too like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Too far fetched to to get yeah, it all done. Pretty in line. Um, she's pretty cool. I didn't. I don't know. Kind of kind of neutral on her overall after this movie. They unfortunately she doesn't get a ton of time to to you know shine individually. She's very much a side character in this. Yeah. And so I don't know. Didn't wasn't blown away. I, n- neither did I. I hate her, but yeah, I'd have to agree with that. Uh, I think this feels kind of like a. A little bit of a Peter Parker angle as well. They do kind of a similar, a similar situation from like a Civil War when Iron Man's like, "Hey, come to Civil War with me," and he's like, "Well, I got, I got like algebra homework." And then the same thing kind of happens in this movie when Shuri's like, "Oh, come on, let's go to Wakanda and like help me out here." She's like, "Well, I got a, I got a class to go to," and she's like, "For real, man?" Like, so I think that might tie in. Like again, like you said, there's not too much to do, so I'm just interested to see, obviously, her her own show, what they do with her. Now that she has Wakandan tech, mm-hmm. or no, she doesn't. They they cut it. Uh, yeah, kind of. Spoilers, Jack. No, my bad. But yes, oops, she doesn't. So, yeah, but yeah, we'll we'll obviously see how that all plays out. Is is her show before or after Armor Wars, which she's also supposed to be in? I think it's before Armor Wars because I think it's Phase Five. Okay, that would I would say that would make sense probably. Let's see if I can find the graphic. Real quick. Yeah, it that's the Iron Hearts first. Um Yeah, yeah. It's before Daredevil too. Ooh, there you go. So yeah, I would imagine that her yeah, her actual solo show will give a lot more context to her and by backstory stuff and all that. So it's not really anything I'm worried about. It's just yeah. Didn't didn't totally grab me, but again, it's not really her movie, so I think it's fair. Um beyond that, I mean we, we have some like Namor supporting characters, but they don't they're not really much of characters to be completely no, no, honest no. i think so it's kind of hanging yeah out. pretty much everyone else is, is returning right um obviously the whole the, the royal family uh you know um the latita wright is shuri and uh what's her name angela bassett is uh queen ramonda i think i think ramonda we got you know nakia and okoye and mbaku all returning um obviously we've got our our token our tolkien white guy <laughs> <laughs> uh, Everett Ross, they're all all pretty good. Uh, definitely surprised by. I, I kind of thought, um, like Mbaku, for example, would get a little bit more play in this movie than he does. But yeah, what's there is pretty good for the most part. He he does, to be fair, have some important moments. Like they're they're pretty, you know, ac- economical with his screen time. That when he's there, he's he's actually doing some some pretty helpful stuff. So that's good. Yeah, he's just standing in the background saying like one mm-hmm. line. Yeah, interestingly enough, they sort of make him into this like wise sort of a uh, voice of reason for a lot of this movie, which is not the thing you would traditionally associate him with, which is maybe why it's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. What, who else we got? Uh, Koye, obviously. Yeah, man, comes back. She's good. She gets a lot of play for sure. Um, Nakia doesn't show up until a little bit later than I was expecting, but she obviously is 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 there for the rest of the movie, and she's got some pretty important stuff to do. Uh, but I guess definitely the core of it is is. Queen Ramonda and Shuri, right? 
and mm-hmm. uh, they both have the biggest task ahead of them in terms of like the sort of emor- emotional uh, core of this movie here. And um, I would say they they definitely deliver on that. I think they both, yeah, they both turn in uh, real good performances in this. Oh yeah, I think there's a couple of really great scenes with the queen. That UN scene is really good. The beginning, the scene later on in the movie where. She- well, we'll get into that more spoilers, but there's a couple scenes where she does a lot of pretty good acts and pretty intense acting, and it's oh, yeah. powerful stuff. Uh, what else? What else is non-spoilery? End credits non-spoilery? No, that wouldn't that wouldn't count. I mean, we could probably um, just move on. That's what I was say. But again, yeah. just definitely good. Uh, everyone yeah, definitely thoroughly enjoyed. Oh yeah, again, the performances are all there. Did the, the, there's nothing notably, uh, I would say bad or anything about any of the. The production side of it, it all looks pretty good. I mean, there's there's obviously, you know, your CGI-heavy scenes and stuff, but it's not really a, anything against it at this point. It's no, not at all. It's par for the course. Um, the, I would say there's, there's some fairly decent action, for sure. There's some interesting stuff going on there. Uh, the Atlanteans, or whatever, are, are used interestingly like that. Um, some of the abilities and powers they have are, you know, very interesting uh, visually. There's also a little bit of like there's a there's a particular chase scene that I think is kind of generic and less interesting, but mm. especially because it feels very very reminiscent to a chase scene they did in Black Panther. Um, so right, yeah. But uh, yeah, overall real good. So all right, so I think thought of before we do uh, spoiler talk, we can do theater theatrics because I know you have a little <laughs> oh, I thing, did. and I also I also have a little thing. It's very fun. Well, first and foremost, I gotta say. Um, there's a little kid, like, one seat down from me. Like, there's one seat between us, and then it was him. There with his parents. Mm. I wish I wish he spoke a little less, I must say. His, his <laughs> parents didn't do a very excellent job at uh, keeping him quiet. So, but, I mean, it's pretty minor. But I don't yeah. want to be one of those guys, which you see sometimes when, when these movies come out, who are real jerks about it, but they're like, parents, keep your kids at home for opening weekend. It's just for the real fans. It's like, shut up. You're a loser. Like, you don't. Yeah. That's definitely taking it too far. Obviously, little kids can come see the, the freaking the Marvel movie. All right, who who are we kidding? Yeah, who are we making it for if not them? Man? Like every time a, a text would come out uh, up on the screen, right? He would read it out loud, quite loudly. Or I'm like, yeah, we we get we all get it, bud. I'm like, proud of you or all, whatever. But come on, uh, that's funny. And then he was one of those like he was asking lots of questions. And at one point, his dad had to literally be like, "Hey, buddy, you know how you know what the thing is about going to see new movies." None of us know. Okay, <laughs> so, that's fine. But the mo- the that's, I okay. Yeah. So the the much more notable event though um, was that uh, as as a longtime listeners might recall, as occurred during uh, our showing of Black Widow, um, the fire alarm went off and we had to evacuate the theater for a time. <laughs> so I had to shuffle my way out into the into the lobby of, of the mall that we go to see most of our movies at um, stand out there for a good 20 minutes and then shuffle back in and then sit in our seats for another probably 20 minutes um, just to wait for them to fire it all back up again. So yeah. pretty lame. I must say, I don't know how this keeps happening. It's also one of those things that sucks too. I mean, I didn't, I'm sure if I caused a stir, maybe I could have got something done, but like, you know, if there's like a, if there's a mistake in like one theater kind of deal, you know, the movie theater will be okay. like, might be like, oh God, we're so sorry. You can get 
you know, like a chi refunds kind of thing. Because I've had instances like that occur where something goes wrong with your specific projector or something, and they're they're pretty apologetic. Uh, but something like this, because it's the whole movie theater, they're not giving everyone their money back, are they? So they just give no, no one that's... their money back, <laughs> which is great, isn't it? Isn't that just a fun time? I mean, oh, not that. that it's their fault, I suppose, I, I will say. In this mm. particular instance, it was caught by people smoking in the bathroom and setting the, you know, the, obviously the smoke detectors off. So you uh, can't really be held responsible for that, I suppose. But yeah. still an inconvenience for me. But I didn't go. I didn't go caring on anyone or anything. So Right. For uh, for my theater, there was a lot. Of, it was surprisingly a lot of people in it. I didn't because I went like like 1230 like i went very like the first showing they had of the day i was like oh there's gonna be nobody and it's gonna be like me and maybe a couple other people forgetting that it was veterans day and sometimes some schools must have off or something so like it was a bunch of like older people and then like young kids so i was like oh, okay it's like grandparents thinking that like grandkids or maybe just older parents and i swear to god i've never seen so many people get up during a movie than during this movie like 15 or 20 people must have gotten up and walked in and out and i'm like what are you doing at one point a little girl was just running up and down the one side aisle like past me and i'm like at one point i want to be like what are you doing man like what's going on sit down see that you know, it's funny that but, didn't happen at my showing of black panther but it did happen when i went to see my cousins play so <laughs> there's little kids running like, up and down the aisles and i'm like where are your parents this this is absurd. At one point, they seemed lost. There was two little boys who were like looking for like you could clearly see them like peering over all of the seats, and I'm just like, what is going on? <laughs> oh, like that, that that probably was one like yeah, I need to go to the bathroom. Like, can you find him by yourself? And like, yeah, totally, mom. And they go, I don't remember where my mom is. <laughs> I've like, I've lost her. I've lost her. It's Maybe like, forever. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. Uh, but oh, another thing, I had two things that and in the beginning of the movie, like. Up until probably like the opening, like the unique opening this movie has. I guess I won't. It's like a Chadwick Boseman tribute. It's not really a spoiler. And there's no sound, just pictures of like Pac Panther and like lines he said and stuff. And during, for like the up until that point, there was just some guy in like the far corner of the theater just yelling things out, like just talking, like full volume, like at the movie. And I'm like, what? I almost went over to him, but I couldn't pinpoint his voice. So it would take me a minute. But like during the Chadwick Boseman tribute, he was like, they didn't recast him with, and he like kept. I'm like, bro, not the time. Like, come on, man, <laughs> the guy died. <laughs> like, there's a time and a place to say that. I mean, we've said it plenty of times, but like, I'd never be in the movie being like, well, tribute, like a tribute is playing me like, well, they should have just recast him and not tell me about his death. It's like, whoa, dude, come on. And that same, like, uh, in that same scene, that that same little boy, uh, while I was going, said, "Why is it so quiet?" <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh, I luckily he stopped because I was at a point. I almost another reference back to another theater thrashers listeners. I almost pulled a Zach during House of Gucci and would have gotten an attendant been like, "Hey, come deal with this fucking guy before." <laughs> oh, man. But I didn't. We have a good time because he stopped. See, this is why this is why streaming will never really win, Jack. Where? How do you get this in in your own home? Hmm? You say, "Oh, uh, you don't," and I you say, "I can pause it whenever I want." Oh, I've I've. <laughs> I have my, my nice bathroom right there. I have easy access to snacks and drinks. Oh, but where are you yeah. getting this, Jake? Hmm? You aren't, Just are you? Just annoying people. You're right. Who's, gonna, who's pulling the fire alarm at your house? Huh? Nobody. <laughs> who's smoking in the bathroom at my house? Just me, I guess. And it's not to set anything off. <laughs> Alone. So where's the, where's the drama? Where's the spice, you know? Where's the 40 minutes of trailers you got to sit through? Huh? 
Where, where's the $20 ticket plus food and beverage? Oh, oh, the popcorn at my house costs like $2, not 16 Oh, whoop-de-doo. But where are the where are the strange individuals who come to see movies yelling and, and asking their kids about House of Gucci, huh? Huh? <laughs> you don't have them, do you? And that's why it'll never go away. That's why we lose, because I don't have strangers. <laughs> the randomness of strangers. That's right. Uh, but that all being said, you think we can jump into the... Spoiler talk? Yeah, I think so. So from here on out, we're doing spoilers. Slowly, slowly but surely, I've noticed into it that we're becoming more and more like every other kind of media thing. Because before we just said all the spoilers, and then for that, and then for everything everywhere, we did no spoilers, and now we're doing the sections. So we'll we'll get we'll get there. Oh yeah. Soon we'll have time codes in the episode descriptions, but we'll get there eventually. So uh, one thing I wanted to mention off the bat, I really liked the uh, Atlanteans or whatever. Again, they're not they're not called that. I'll bring it up here, but um. That uh, the first first couple uh, appearances of them, I think, is really interesting and really well done. There is on that um, whatever it is the the research station oil rig looking thing, right? Um, being the first introduction to them, there's like some genuine sort of like I, don't, I mean maybe horror is a strong word for it, but I think it it approaches that right. Some like tension, yeah, at least. definitely some genuine tension and like scary movie type scenarios of like we can't see them and it's dark and they're like. I think the the vibe there was was really well done. Where you really did feel like, oh gosh, this is like this is actually a bit frightening. Um, and it certainly would be if that was you, right? Um, and, mm-hmm. and throughout the movie as well, the the use of the sirens that they have um, really upsetting. <laughs> I don't I don't like that, but I mean it's interesting. I just mean it definitely freaks me out. The concept of like real life sirens that just make you walk to your death. <laughs> yeah, into the ocean and just drown. Yeah. Uh, but like that was really cool, and it, and it continues for the first couple of instances. There's a, you know, the first few scenes you never really get a good long look at them, um, which I think was well done. And just all the way through though, mm-hmm. the the here we go, the telecon, right? So the teleconians, yeah. teleca- Oh, the the here it is, the teleconeal. Teleconeal, that's pretty good. Um, they're yeah, they're all very interesting. Um, and of course the origin of them I think was really cool. Very, very distinct from like traditional Atlantis for sure, because it its origins is in uh like um you know on the Yucatan Peninsula, just like the mm-hmm. the city that the they they were originally like indigenous Mayan people, and they wanted a way to try to survive the Spanish conquest, and they they found their own sort of harp shaped heart shaped herb type uh, plant, right, just on the other side of the mm-hmm. world, also with vibranium there. And uh, it, it's, you know, change them into these, this new kind of thing, which I think is pretty sweet. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, and it kind of explains why Namor is a mutant. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets, doesn't really explain the wings on his feet. It doesn't make a ton of sense, but no. it doesn't really but matter But they committed to it, and I, and I got to respect the balls on them for that one. Oh, yeah. Just giving him some little floaty wings. Why not? Just give it, well, he's wearing like, he's wearing more of shorts than he is a, a speedo type scenario like he normally does, but he's just there. He's just yeah. rocking it, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's as accurate of a name. It's just close. It's the closeness they're getting. Like uh, we talked about, like the trend of like getting them is pretty close to their comic accurate costumes, but obviously making them more appealing to like a movie in a movie scenario than like a very simple design you can draw a lot. Oh yeah, because like classic Namor is literally just like a speedo, and then like yeah, the the, the shoes or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, he's definitely more visually interesting. He's got like this whatever I don't even know what, you, what he could like the necklace type, a bunch of necklaces and like the the chest piece type, yeah. golden the piercing through his nose. Yeah, yeah, the piercings and the ear piercings all very very cool looking. 
Um, and again, all very drawn, you know, from from like Mesoamerica. It's super cool. And uh, it definitely, you know, I, I think it makes sense for definitely the Black Panther series here uh, that this is kind of the villain's this is the direction they want to go with the villain to make him more compelling in that way is that it, it plays off of the same, very much the same themes that black Panther did. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and has been doing its whole time in the MCU is like the sort of effects of European colonialism and all. And so, you know, it's obviously very intentional in this way that, that Neymar and the telecon Neil are very much like a, you know, a mirror image of black Panther and the Wakandans. Right. Mm, they've, yeah. they've kind of evolved separately here, but it's, very, very much a, a similar kind of idea, um, which I think is cool. So even though, again, like we said earlier, they're sort of, you can understand their uh, their motivation in a lot of ways. And it's not really dissimilar at all from Wakanda. It's just kind of, in this instance, they are opposed to one another. So, you know, they're the villain, quote unquote, right? But really, it's like, right. yeah, these, this is kind of the same philosophy. I uh, I really liked how, uh, how the movie sets up, I guess... The um not Atlant I almost said Atlanteans the Telecon Teleconial um with how it starts the movie off with obviously the Black Panther Boseman dies there's no Black Panther and like everyone's trying to like vie for their vibranium and they're like no remember we're still Wakanda like we're the most powerful nation in the world you're not gonna stop us no one can stand against us and like the next time and like I think one of the next scenes is the um is the Telekanil, like the only people that can fight against them. And throughout this movie, the Wakandans don't know what to do. Like, this is like kind of the first time ever, and I kind of like this in the movie for like development and stuff, that the Wakandans are on the back foot. Like they don't really know how to fight them. It they 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 are equal footing, so it's all kind of based on like martial prowess in a sense. They don't have that like crux of like advanced technology that they had over the rest of the world for thousands of years. So I, I kind of like that and in the development of the th some of the themes and some of the characters in this movie. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, there's something else. Also, Shakalan is kind of silly when they're like, "What do you mean? There's more vibranium? That's not possible." All the stories. It's like, all right, fellas, but they're just stories. Oh yeah. You're, sure, you're the smartest person on the planet. You didn't think like, oh, maybe there's more vibranium in the ocean. Right. Yeah, there probably is. When they luckily they you know whatever. They they do kind of get over it pretty quickly. Sure, he is like, yeah. well, yeah, it's literally a me we know it's a meteor. I mean, so yeah, it's not inconceivable that another one landed somewhere else on the planet, maybe under the ocean. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. And yeah, again, it ties them that much more closely to Wakanda, which I think totally works. Um, yeah, again, I so like getting into the specifics of the of the motivation here. So like we said. Uh, the United States and the powers that be are trying to find a vibranium and they have this vibranium detector machine that was made by Riri Williams. So uh, Namor learns this and they're like, well, we want to kill her because um, so long as they can keep making these machines, they're going to catch on to the idea that there is uh, vibranium in um, Telecon here and they're going to come for us. And I, we want to remain a secret. We don't be found. So let's just nip this in the bud and get her. Um, and this is the central conflict, basically, of the film, which is that Shuri and the Wakandans think that that's wrong, right? Like that's they're, right. they're trying to take a moral, the moral high ground here of like we we shouldn't just kill her. There's like a peaceful resolution here. We can, you know, if we befriend her and all, we can still make sure they don't they're not able to use it against us, kind of thing. But the answer isn't mm -hmm. just murder. And uh, it 
it boils over into to full on war, obviously, uh, which is just tough. It's definitely one of those scenarios where it's like there's no right answer here in a lot of ways, like because it is, uh, you know, from a truly like pragmatic stance, it's supposed to be like, well, if they just let Ree Williams die, then all these other people would still be alive. But it's not, you know, it's one of those like they don't trade exactly. lives. It's, exactly, that's a, that's a common recurring theme here in the Marvel stuff is that the good guys don't, don't deal in human life like that. So uh that's tough you know and i I do like the scenes of where uh shuri gets to visit and uh she sees how cool it is under there and everything and they kind of strike up something of a friendship Mm. very sweet i would think um but it it, unfortunately doesn't doesn't continue does it no it does not he uh he attacked namor attacks them because they won't like kill um they won't get rid of williams of course so he attacks wakanda with like a small force and in the process, uh, kills her mom. Yeah. So Queen Ramada. Like, uh, her mom. Sac- well, f- first he does a thing and Ruby Williams like, gets sucked underwater and her mom sacrifices herself to save Ruby Williams. So, yeah. You wish is they- super, you know, it's a very like, yeah, noble kind of heroic end, but it's tough. I, I, I was definitely surprised. You said the same thing, right? Uh, yeah. I was surprised that they, they went this direction. Um, it's one of those like in you know from a storytelling perspective, uh, you need to you know the mentor often needs to die to to make way for the hero to fully come into their own kind of thing. So it, it's kind of mm-hmm. it's very much in that vein, I would say. But yeah, it's still still a little surprising to me. I would have thought that you know it's very. I think it's it's a world where it's reasonable enough that you could have a peaceful transition there where the mom would just kind of step down and, and make room. But yeah, this is the direction they went, and it's it definitely makes sense thematically right because this movie is uh it really kind of top to bottom is is dealing with loss right they very clearly adapted this you know the story whatever story they had to begin with um which i think the bones of it are probably still here Mm. but um to to very much deal with loss head on and uh obviously shuri who's still reeling from um t'challa's death now has to um take that on as well and it's you know it it's a very, you know, like big hurdle for her character-wise that she has to overcome, and it's, you know, super compelling when, when she's, you know, eventually able to do it. I think. Mm-hmm. And again, it's yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I certainly agree with that. I think Sherry's character arc uh, is pretty strong. Uh, there's a particularly a, a powerful point, which I really, I didn't also didn't expect, which is when obviously Sherry becomes the Black Panther. Of course, she did. If you didn't think that was going to happen, you're not paying attention. Uh, so, but when she takes the herb, obviously, to do the, she goes to like the ancestral land, and you know, when Black Panther, when T'Challa did it, she met, he met her dad, in like a nice and ethereal savanna plane, and it was all nice. And he's like, ah, oh, it's great being the Black Panther. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. But when Shiri does it, it's in the throne room where Mom died, and Killmonger's there, and he's like, "What's up, Cuz? It's me, Killmonger. I'm back." You, you you picked me because you're you and I got the same idea. You want to destroy everything. I think it's a pretty good idea. You should just kill Namor. And she's like, mm, I don't know about this. She's he's like, trust me, you're gonna love it. And then she's like, I don't like this. And she, she's very distraught by it and almost goes through with it. But obviously, like her mom's there and her, she's her mom at the end and doesn't kill him. But I uh, she she almost she almost goes too far. Yeah, which is a concept. I I thought this was super interesting because it so so directly mirrors um T'Challa's arc in. Civil War, right? Uh, down yeah. to like some very very similar dialogue, even where um in Civil War at the end when 
when T'Challa realizes everything that's gone down and that it was all fabricated by Zemo and everything, he has that line where he says, um, like, vengeance is consuming you, it's consuming them, I'm done letting it consume me. And, he, you know, he makes the choice to to, to bring Zemo in alive. And there's uh, mirror here, because at the very end, when, yeah, Shuri kind of has her, her realization here and she, she completes her sort of arc there, um, she says, like, vengeance has consumed us, we can't let it consume our people too. And that's, you know, that's why they choose to make peace instead and, and you know, try to find a new way forward there. And I thought that was, I thought that was really interesting that, you know, I, on the one hand, I suppose it's, it's quite similar and maybe some people would take uh, sort of issue with that, but I thought it definitely made sense being repurposed for this movie. Yeah, I, I certainly, I certainly think so. And I don't think it's too bad that it has to be repeated because I don't know, it feels like pretty good to let the, Shuri is the new ruler have to learn that lesson. Oh yeah. Because the child had to learn that lesson because he was a new ruler. So you're kind of having similar situations occur. So you're gonna have similar outcomes. Uh very much so. What, what do you think about the um the like Iron Man suits they make? Not just Ruby Williams's, but the one that Koye and that other woman have. The the Midnight Angels. Yeah. Yeah. Um I just we we're doing a little bit of i was doing a little bit of reading around uh, here just before we started and i didn't realize that the midnight angels was is you know lifted pretty directly from the comics um i don't know they're fine you know they look they do look kind of weird uh which they give you comment on in this movie but mm-hmm. um overall they're fine i mean it, it's whatever like it's just it it allows those characters to step into that next sort of level of of power where they just get to kind of be a little bit more a little stronger and and obviously the fact that they have to deal with the Atlanteans who are all sort of uh, super powered in this. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's fine. There's not really much like payoff there other like, you know, thematically or anything in this story. It's just kind of, well, Okoye gets kicked out um, kind of over, over excessively. And so they're just like, all right, I'll just all of these now. Um, as far as Riri Williams, her, I, I did like her Mark one Ironheart type suit. That's very, yeah, very classic, like a hodgepodge suit. Totally totally dig that as, as a as a first uh you know first model um, and then the second one's fine too i don't like i don't love the arms being all uh just big guns personally yeah but otherwise i don't really care i saw some people think it's quite bad or whatever but i don't i don't really have a big problem with it i thought it looked fine yeah so <laughs> there uh <laughs> yeah i don't, don't really have anything particular to say about it what do you think about shuri's uh black panther suit i think it looks cool i like it Looks like got that gold, like kind of trim. It makes it you stand out from T'Challa's. Yeah, and it cool. it also kind of fits with uh with Killmonger's, right? His was black. Mm-hmm. So, or sorry, obviously it was black. His was had the gold as well, which you know, yeah, definitely makes sense for that, that, that sort of idea they go for in this, which is that maybe she's closer to him than than she'd like to admit. Right. That he doesn't. Killmonger also makes that great point. Not, it's not a great point, but he. Certainly a thought-provoking one when he's she's he's like, well, why don't you just kill kill him? Like, I mean, it's not like your dad's afraid to kill like his own family. What's stopping you from you know just killing some guy you just met? Like, just kill Namor. It's not even that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. That was interesting. Um, I was like Mbaku scenes. We've mentioned a little bit in the non-spoiler part, but he's kind of he starts off being like, let's just kill Namor. It's gonna be great, guys. I'm eating this carrot, and they're like, no. And he's like, all right, I guess I won't. Uh, and then he gets his ass kicked by Namor, and he's like, maybe I won't kill him. Maybe I'll let this guy go. Uh, but he kind of swears himself to Shuri, like, more personally than the other. 
like tribe members because of like a promise he made to her brother. And they're all very nice scenes. And he kind of talks her down from like being a warmonger. He's like, maybe, maybe we shouldn't kill them because if we kill Namor, what do you think his people are going to do? They're just going to kill us. It's just going to be endless war. Yeah. I don't even know if it'd be endless war because I feel like those uh, those uh, um not, I don't want to keep want to call them Atlanteans yeah those te- Atlanteans basically uh, <laughs> Telekinil got the word Telekinil thank you Telekinil they could just well, kill yeah, them yeah. all very easily they almost it's do like endless war very much probably just, oh yeah very much portrayed as being being pretty lopsided there in power right so yeah, yeah it would it would end quite quite rapidly you'd think yeah. I mean they're able to pretty much destroy the whole capital city with yeah a pretty small band of guys those those water bomb things they have are in- incredibly powerful <laughs> so powerful so yeah they would if they wanted to they seems like they could pretty much just destroy um Wakanda pretty quickly so yeah would not really be worth it in that thing regardless like yeah even even beyond like the moral of like well we're the heroes and this is the right thing to do kind of thing blah 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 um just pragmatically, that would not have gone well for them. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, not at all. Um, what else? I don't know. Uh, we could talk about the post-credit scene or the mid-credit scene, or anything. Yeah, the mid-credit scene. Uh, that was pretty good. Um, it kind of just—it's. I want to say—is it the closest mid-credit scene to ending of the movie? Because it just kind of like continues the ending of the movie, like almost exactly where it ends. So the movie ends. There's a couple that are which, like that. I'm not going to be able to name them off the top of my head now, but. Right. Okay. I, I couldn't remember. Yeah. Well, there's a couple. Sure yeah. There's one of those. One of them has a post credit scene that isn't a post credit scene at all. Don't you? Which one's that? Where it literally just. I don't even think there's a break for the credits, and there's like a scene. Regardless. Uh. Yeah. Oh, I can't. It's remember. just a direct continuation. So the very end of the movie, Shuri um goes to Haiti to to visit um Akia, and uh, she she finally completes a ceremony that they tried to do earlier in the movie with her mom, which is where you burn the uh the clothing that you wore at the funeral of your loved one and mm. then it you can move on into the next sort of step of of you know grieving and and your relationship with your your uh, loved one right mm. and she's reluctant to do it in the beginning because she she doesn't want to like i don't know there's like an element of finality to it and she doesn't even want to think about him really and um mm. so by by the end with her you know the events of this movie she's she's ready to allow herself to to grieve in that way and everything, which is, you know, real great scene. It's it's got all these little flashbacks to to uh to Cha throughout the movies and stuff. Um, which is really great. It's it, you know, super super powerful idea that that like even though it hurts and it's tough in the you know in the beginning, like the only way to, you know, keep the the memory of like loved ones like that alive is that you have to allow yourself to remember them, right? If if you just close mm-hmm. yourself off because it hurts too much, then you don't get to have the good memories either. And that's kind of what this portrays at the end is that she she remembers like all the good times she had with her brother and everything too. And um, then in the the mid credits scene, um, Nakia shows up with her son uh, Toussaint, who is uh, they she introduces to Shuri obviously, and they have some bit of banter. And uh, Toussaint is I would assume because she mentions right. That it's got a, it's a name with a bunch of history. I thought that was cool because uh, yeah. Toussaint Louverture, right, was the guy who uh, led the revolution in Haiti. Yeah, the only successful slave revolt in history. Which is pretty sweet. So yeah, sick name. Right. Got a lot of history. And then he's like, "Well, I got to tell you a secret. My uh, my Wakandan name is T'Challa. He's Prince T'Challa, son of King T'Challa, which is pretty pretty crazy. I don't know. It's really 
I didn't think to do though. <laughs> name your son after you. Well, I mean, that's not super yeah. crazy, but yeah. Um, which is yeah, super. I kind of surprising to me, like really. But I think that's a really yeah. uh, nice idea that T'Challa has a son. I, th- I think it was probably the best kind of credit scene to have for this movie because it was just like a oh look, it's Doctor Doom now. That'd be I'd kind of yeah. It, ruin it i think it definitely you know it is something that like oh it has implications to the universe and you're like oh my gosh she gets to be black panther one day kind of thing like it it would sort of satisfy that that you know itch for for fans but it's very much thematically relevant to this movie right you know Mm. and it's it's obviously very much of like a tribute to his character and and t'challa and everything going forward so yeah i totally agree that like like a lot of like you said a lot of stuff in this movie it it strikes that balance of being like respectful and and you know paying paying the necessary i think homage and everything to the the tone that they're trying to strike but also you're like oh that's cool it's you know he's it's black panther has a son who gets to maybe be black panther one day yeah it's cool it's very it's very relevant given that how many um instances we keep getting in this this phase of uh avengers with kids right yeah they all almost they're really building the young avengers team huh yeah we're, we're gonna get like another generation apparently we could do the champions as well though that's kind of its own thing yeah. there's all kind of different things we, we've talked about how like they're building out all these young avengers characters but they're not it's, it's still unclear if they're ever going to do anything with that but there's mm-hmm. definitely all these characters spread throughout who, who they certainly could use but yeah that's pretty cool yeah, the also the thing that sort of happens at the end is that uh See, I, we don't get direct confirmation, but it seems implied that Mbaku is going to take up the throne and actually be be the king of Wakanda in the uh, in the interim here. Mm-hmm. How do you think of that? I think that makes sense. Uh, kind of like it's kind of like you said, he swears himself to Shuri. He's like, I'll just help you out, and it's a way to help him out. And uh, he seems to be the most level-headed. He's prepared yeah. in the movie again. He yeah, he gives genuine like advice and and has seems to have a good bit of wisdom about him in this one so it's like he has seems to have arrived at a point in his life where he actually would be a good king right like he he would not have been in in black panther in the beginning when he tries to challenge t'challa like if he'd become kingdom i don't think it would have been good for the wakanda but now he seems to have balanced there and it's like an agreement they've clearly come to um with shuri as well so she'll continue to be the black panther and all that that entails and he'll he'll be the king um, at least in the intro. I mean, again, we we obviously see that the way that they there's not super uh, hard uh, strict lineage when it comes to determining the ruler here, right? Because you can just challenge a guy right. to fight on a waterfall or whatever. So, yeah, and you'll be fine. Presumably, so yeah, presumably Sunday um, T'Challa would would get to be king if that's what he wanted, kind of thing. And I would assume Mbaku would be cool with it and just let him on in. So, kind of fun. Yeah, I think I think it's fun. I like it. And it makes sense. It's uh, kind of something that was speculated was going to happen for, I think, since this, this happened, is that people were like, it would probably make sense to split his respective roles among a couple of the supporting cast, right? Um, mm-hmm. His role of, you know, ruler and of Black Panther. And that's that's what they've done here. So I think a lot of people speculate it might go the opposite way. They, you could have M'Baku as the warrior and Shuri as the leader. But I think this makes just fun. Yeah, I think it makes more sense the way it's all. They've actually, you know, played it out. So super cool. Mm-hmm. Now, having talked about the ending, we can probably pivot into a topic I want to bring up. So this is the last Phase Four movie. Oh, yeah, now, we have all the Phase Four movies now, and I guess, and generally, I think everything for Phase Four. Yeah. What do we think about the Phase? Ooh, man, it's kind of a, it's a bit of a mixed bag, we, isn't it? 
We've got some ups and we've got some certainly downs. I would, yeah, I would have to say so, right? There's no, I don't think you could really deny that. Um, yeah, we don't get, we don't have to rank these movies. No, no. That's for the end of the sure, year. Sure, sure. But just, I mean, as for, in terms of all Phase Four, which, or I guess it's really just last year, this year, huh? They've, yeah. They, wow. They kind of speed ran that, huh? I suppose our. Wait, is that right? Wait till Phase the first yeah. Phase, or was the first Phase Four thing? No, was was No Way Home? One or far? Fuck. <laughs> Was Far From Home no. the first, or is it no. the end of Phase 3? No. That's end of Phase 3. First Phase 4 is WandaVision in 2021, yeah. which was oh, over a year ago, almost two years ago. But now. it's all contained within two two calendar years here, huh? That's surprising. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, I would, yeah, I would say this is definitely probably one of the stronger movies, I, I gotta say, right? Would you agree? Yeah. It might be the, say, it might be the strongest actual film, um, just overall. Uh yeah, we like I you know I like a lot of those, but I don't think you know Black Widow and Shang Chi. Those are both kind of just fun, good movies. Internals, we we still really don't care much for. Um, Spider Man, lot of lot to love in that movie, but but also don't look too deep. Yeah, I, that's I I still maintain that. Um, Doctor Strange is just fine. It's just kind of I would say a little bit, just a little bit less than this one to be honest. Just a little more middle of the road. Yeah, and we didn't we didn't love Thor, Thor very much either, did we? So. No, no, no love for Thor. No, th- but some thunder for sure. Oh, there's well, there was Thor, there was love and thunder. Um, yeah. but I'm not from, not from us. us. <laughs> no, not none from us. So yeah, without uh, getting too much in the weeds of it. Yeah, I think this might be the best one. Yeah, I'd have to say so. Which uh, I didn't expect, but I'm I'm glad I didn't expect it because this this could have very much have been one of the worst ones. I think again, it, um, the, it wouldn't have been inconceivable. Yeah, the task they had was really difficult and and. I would I would not want to have been in their shoes. It's it's easy for us to play the armchair like director or whatever to be like, well, they could have done this and this. But in in all reality, it's like, yeah, I wouldn't have known how to approach this in the best yeah. sort of way. And I yeah, I think they did really good, all things considered. I will say, just in general about the phase though, it's a little it's a little unfocused, no? Yeah, I would I would say so. I mean, in terms of of a follow up to phase like the first phase after the the you know, completion of the Infinity Saga. There's something there, right? So, like, Shang-Chi Eternals, like, those are totally brand new characters, right? That's kind of notable. Um, yeah. Beyond that, I mean, like, obviously Black Widow was a wrap-up for her character, but it also, of course, introduced some some new characters we're going to have going forward here. Um, mm-hmm. Spider-Man's a similar kind of thing. It's like, it, it was something of a conclusion, but also... You know, there's definitely more story to be looking forward. Yeah, definitely more story to be told there. Uh, Doctor Strange is the sequel. Yeah, Doctor Strange is just pretty, pretty much a sequel, and and you could say the same about this. Although it obviously sets up, you know, some characters who are going to play more bigger roles going forward. I don't know though. It's like, what is the what's kind of the unifying principle here? I guess it's just kind of, and this is a comparison I think we've made sort of before, is that it's kind of like Phase One, right? And that it is yeah, a little just, unfocused, and it's just kind of set up, and we just have to. You know, we're on the the beginning of the build up here. Um, I guess the difference is that it doesn't have any kind of any culminating event like every other phase has had, right? Yeah, and no, and no real connecting pieces. Yeah, like no, like oh, everyone's kind of getting attacked by Kang, but he doesn't. Yeah, do not anything. yet. Like that's like, not actually present yet, is it? Which again, yeah, very much the same. Where like Thanos doesn't really, really show up until Phase Three, right? And even then, towards the yeah. end, like, but still. There's kind of there's always the idea of like oh the you know the the gems keep popping up right um, whereas this doesn't even have that there's not really much that tie these movies to one another there's lots of like little smaller 
you know, groupings almost, right? It's like, yeah. oh, you have like, you know, Doctor Strange and WandaVision or Spider and Spider, yeah, Spider-Man. Yeah. Sure, those all kind of are in their own little, there's connected tissue, but it's not, it's, there's no obviously one movie at the end where they all team up, which is not necessarily no. anything against it. I don't know if that's necessary, but uh, it's just, just something. <laughs> yeah, no, not, not something that can't be ignored. As much as we're down for it, I think, as much as I really, like think the opinion of well you know the Infinity Saga Endgame was such a culmination such a complete story it's just like the people who say that I always think at least they weren't saying that when Endgame came out they're just saying that now because they don't they don't want to be bothered which is is fine yeah but don't just make bullshit up well not yeah that now that some of the films have le- have been less well received and stuff they're like ah told you I knew this would yeah, be well knew. it's like yeah did you though or did is this just easy to stay in high or did you let endgame be the highest grossing film of all time right. and now we're here and it's like if we're being 100 percent honest it yeah those that's not the case right like it's not a culmination for every each and every character and storyline it would be very weird if they had stopped after endgame because we'd be like oh this was nice for captain america and iron man i guess but everyone else still has has story to tell mm-hmm, absolutely so yeah I don't, again, like you said, we, we can definitely address some of this stuff more in depth into the year here, but yeah, overall, um, yeah, quite good, quite, quite, quite good, deserves its its slot here in the in the phase three, I think, or phase four, whatever. Absolutely. Uh, so probably Ektek out of this now. Yeah, I'd say so. It's would uh, into Andor episode 10. No way out. Which is called No Way Out. Or One Way Out, sorry. <laughs> Oops, I was going to say that would be the new Spider-Man title, but maybe it will be. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, One Way Out. Uh, this episode, obviously, is the ending of the three-episode prison arc mm-hmm. for Andor. Uh, picks up right where uh, last episode left off with him and Kino in, like, some room before they go into their um, barracks to sleep. And Andor's like, Kino, like, it doesn't matter. Like, you just got told that shit doesn't matter. Like, we need to we need to do something like, tomorrow or it's over. We're never going to have a better chance. They're just going to get more guards. Like, there's no better chance than now to break out. And Kino's like, ah, fine. And uh, they tell everybody on their floor. First, Andor tells them. And they're like, Andor, you're fucking stupid. What do you know? It, like, you hey, know, new what guy. do we do? It's this new guy now. Yeah. And then Kino's like, r- like very reluctant. Like, he's, Andor's like, come on, man. Gotta help me out here. And he finally tells him, like, we're not getting out. We have to do it now. Like, here's the plan. And they make their plan. And uh, they execute on it, oh, yeah. and uh, they—it's pretty great. It's this is exceptional, man. This is—I don't know—is it? Do you feel? I—I'll I, say I definitely do. Best episode I think so far, which is to say, at this point, I'm—I'm I'm fully confident saying the best episode of the best show they've done yet. Um, it—it's—it's it's honestly very to me, um, among the very finest Star Wars that exists. Like, absolutely, this show is incredible and it for all the reasons that we've enumerated in the previous weeks but it still just holds true that like the writing the the ideas the dialogue everything about this is just so so focused and like it's just has i just think it has a, a to to quote this show it has like a clarity of purpose right in in its ideas and everything it's just super super strong um mm-hmm. and again I, not to it, the discourse has continued strong through this week of like oh does that mean you hate everything else no but i do think this is probably the best and it's i mean yeah. something has to be the best right like yeah like 
not that you necessarily have to put it in those terms. You can just say, ah, I like it all equally, but I, I'm going to choose to say that I, I like this the best. I think of all of them. Um, I have to agree. Like it's again, I like genuinely like, I don't know, not, I guess excited isn't the right word, but like my adrenaline was pumping during this thing. I was one. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was a, a thought I very much had too, is like, I don't, I, I don't know. Like there, there's definitely has to be um, examples that are escaping me, but yeah, I, I feel like there's very few shows that I can ever recall that get me quite so invested as this one in, in terms of yeah, it sounds like Game of yeah, Thrones. Yeah, definitely like, maybe Game of Thrones at its peak. But like, yeah, watching this episode, my my heart was racing. And I said the same thing about the Aldani heist episode, right? That college is like, mm-hmm. there's a genuine like palpable like suspense and and sort of like excitement and and tension to all of this that is super super compelling to watch um down to like, like you said i literally had like an adrenaline dump after this move after this episode was done i was like shaky <laughs> my hands were all like Ooh. <laughs> like which maybe that's lame i don't know but it is what it is um but yeah so so they they put their plan into motion here and um it's not super um complicated luckily it basically just consists of getting through that pipe that they've been scratching away at for the past couple weeks um at the right moment so that um, they can use basically the idea is it to realize that it's to get water um, to spill out, which will just hopefully short out the floor and not allow it to work properly, which it does. Yeah. And uh, the idea is to do it at the moment that they're bringing down the new guy so that they have a way out because that lift is the only way they'd get out. Mm-hmm. And they do. It does. It uh, it works. And basically, then they just all kind of rush it and um, get up there and then all of a sudden you have you've got access to the blasters and then it's just on right now it's just a numbers game because there are yeah so many many times more like exponentially more prison prisoners than there are uh guards guards they just yeah. they go full prison break on them they start breaking everybody else out they all start chanting and have this big revolt it's sick it's really cool absolutely uh, they get to the comms room they got there pretty quick i really thought that there was something that was going to happen where, um, like there, like something like a, an obstacle happens and starts to like many of them start to die off. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, they electrify the floors or something. Like something would happen. But luckily, as they like are about to do something like that, uh, they arrive. Like Cassian and Kino are like, "We're here," and they kill the one yeah. guy. So like, Kino killed. I was just gonna say in in their floor or their room, right? Which is where the obviously the whole revolt here starts they they suffer pretty good casualties um unfortunately mm-hmm. we got a couple of good ones go down for the cause you know um oh gosh i forgot his name again now but the guy cassian's been planning with for the past couple of weeks um yeah, he, he, he cops one pretty quickly <laughs> trying to climb up there um the new guy he he joins in the the struggle right away which you gotta respect power to him he he picks up the blaster and starts starts shooting immediately but uh he, he also takes one down pretty quickly and then Basically, almost everyone in Cassian's table starts going down one by one. Um, we have what's, mm. oh gosh, Lux, Luke's what's his name? Whatever the the ginger guy. I think it's Lux. Yeah, yeah, he goes down, which is a damn shame. That guy was cool. I liked him a lot. Um, mm-hmm. He he was he was pretty stone cold throughout most of it because the one the one guy on the table right was kind of freaking out. I was like, oh guys, what are we gonna do? I don't know. Are we sure about this? And he, this dude was just like, Nah, I'm getting out. It's gonna be sick. It's gonna be great. One way out, man. I'm one more. Day. Retirement. One way out, um, but yeah, they a lot of them start start copping it. Obviously, Melshi, uh, Meshi. What's the fix his name? I think it's Melshi. Yeah. Um, yeah, he makes it out, which is good. 
He kind of had yeah, to. Yeah, we knew he had to. And then so does the the other guy. What's his name? Whatever the... One of their other table mates. I don't know if we see explicitly everyone else go down or make it out. I think there's a couple maybe that are left a little vague in terms of that. But yeah, they... Uh, and it's cool. Yeah, I, I like the, the guards kind of see that maybe something's amiss here, right? Because they... They know that they kind of know that the prisoners probably know, but there's like, you know, it's, it's one of those, like, let's pretend like we don't know. And then maybe we'll all just act like it's normal and maybe it will be <laughs> Yeah. We'll just... But no, uh, it doesn't, it's not normal. Is it? Mm-mm. So yeah. Uh, I get like, this is just a super, super interesting. And like, it, it very much fits with obviously all the themes of this show, which is just like, you gotta, you gotta rise up, right? Like you gotta become ungovernable <laughs> and, that's the only way to do it. And obviously this whole this whole system, it very much uh plays into what what's his name? Luther was going on there, right? <clears throat> Which is this idea that they made things so intolerable that uh, you know, you have no you choice. Have no choice, right? Which is like you know, kind of obviously the opposite of what they wanted. Um, but that's that's what you get out of the Empire, because they suck and they're all again, as we've said multiple times, and this is a main sh- theme of this show, right? Is that they're just so arrogant and they, yeah, they never even think that you'd do something like this. I saw someone this week was complaining that this show, that this episode in particular is like, um, unrealistic and, and dumb because they, uh, why do the guards not listen to them or whatever? And it's like, it's not, yeah, I, I've saw someone continues to refer to it as a plot hole, um, which it's not, it's not a plot hole. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's not what a plot it's hole is. not what a plot hole is. People on the internet don't always have the best handle on that, though, do they? Uh, but no, it's very much not a plot hole because it's said outright in the show why that is, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, there's a scene where he's like, they don't listen because they don't have to. And that's just, like, if you want to say, like, oh, the Empire should be listening, sure. But a character or an organization making a mistake does not, it's not, it's a, not a plot hole. That just means that they made they did something wrong. And then, yeah, especially when it's the bad guys. Yeah. The, if the bad guys make a mistake, that's a good thing. They're supposed to. Exactly. That's the whole fucking point. <laughs> but whatever. I guess that's too too much for Twitter, I guess. But Twitter's going to go away soon. So there we go. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then they make they make it to the room, and uh, Kino gives a he gives a big speech about it all. Oh which yeah. Is super super powerful. It's really. Uh, we said it last week, but it definitely continues. And he, I see this is probably his last episode here. Um, Andy Serkis did absolutely incredible. He really knocked it out of the park. Oh, yeah. He gives a great performance. I, you know, not that he doesn't always with his various roles and his mocap work is like obviously very exceptional for what it is. He's like, you know, there's a reason he's like one of the best in the world at doing that or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, this is one of the one of the few roles I can call him in where he's he's just doing a very very human role and he he, he said some that effect this week about like you compare it to snoke which was this big yeah cgi monster man that he did um you know Lloyd's just yeah. a guy he's a very human person and his he's got a very human struggles and and you know emotions and stuff and seeing that all play out is was really good he did a really really stellar job oh, yeah. absolutely he did uh there's a there's a bit of a sad point though like a a bit of a cruel twist because right at the when all the prisoners are escaping they obviously make it to the bay like the opening where the ships come in to bring them inside uh the prison um and it's like just water and everybody's jumping in to swim to land and kino stops and casting's like well, kino what are you doing like we got to get out and he's like i can't swim like I, I i i can't go any further like i'll just die mm-hmm. 
which is is almost an like an interesting like reason of one way out because he only can die exactly like he can't escape in any way like he either died in the prison or he has to drown instead of like oh one way out because we have no other choice he like he quite actually has no other choice which i think is kind of tragic oh very kind much of, kind of but i think tragic. i think that applies to a lot of these guys actually right i think the number mm-hmm. of these i mean we saw the we see the planet right it's this like desolate nothing there's there's like all the water and then there's like clearly on you know land that doesn't have anything on it right um so i think it's going to be a struggle for any of these guys to to escape much further in any meaningful way but it's it's like an idealistic thing for them right that's this was all a you know it was about the you know it was about the message right it was about sending a message really like it literally was um and and if they die out there at least they're done on their own exactly like they live and die with their own merits, not just like because someone decides to kill them. Which is exactly what they said, right? Which is what Cassian yeah. said. Was it last week that he would rather die? Which, um, you know, Kino puts into his speech there that he would rather die fighting them, to, you know, trying than you know just you know, yeah, die going along, giving them what, they, what want. they want. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. you know, your your classic. This, you'd rather you know die on your feet than live on your knees, right? Yeah, which is great stuff. Again, it's it's. I mean, it's very on for the. The whole thing. That's what that's what the rebellion's all about. They love. I love it. it. And again, that speech is super compelling. It's it's a lot of really good like ideas. And I, you know, the, I like the I like the mention in that where he's like, "Hey, help each other out. We're on this together," kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. you know, which is which is good. I think it's a nice nice idea. And but yeah, it's you know he gets into like the the heart of the whole thing, right? Like this is a microcosm of the whole the whole galaxy. Is that like the empire has you know all the power and all the control um but they only have as much as like you know you, you let them to an extent if you if you stand up and fight they, they can't take us all kind of thing right mm-hmm. this whole system only works because it pits us against each other and and it you know makes us do their dirty work for them and if we don't then this is all the this is all like it? a you know a paper castle here that'll just crumble yeah a paper tiger mm-hmm. as it were which is super cool i love it Totally, but totally no real world connections there. I don't see how there could be actually. Yeah, I I can see how you know pinning the lower class against each other and uh, breaking out of uh, privatized prisons would be uh, anything like the real world. So no, I'm pretty sure that's exclusively uh, a sci-fi concept. That's fair. Yeah, only in the in the future we'll have those kind of things. But right now we're good. <laughs> that's right. Very very true, Jack. Very apt yeah, observation. We're set. Uh, but that's moving on from Cassian's plot. Yeah. So will Cassian and Melshi get out? And then the last we see of them, they've made yeah. it to they've swum the to beach. land and they're like running through the, the wilderness there. So we'll have to see where, where that goes. Um, I don't know. So do you, do you think Kino just dies or what? I mean, I, I think so. I think he takes his chances in the water he, or he just dies um, when, when the empire inevitably shows up to, to retake the prison. Yeah, I would like to head. I, I head cannon that I'd like that I would have liked to have happened. I don't know how reasonable that is. It's just that he went around and just tried to get as many as he could in his way out, like just kill all the imperials he could find in there, and then wait for them to show up and just I just die in whatever way. Or maybe the yeah, I hope we just wouldn't just drown. That seems a, just a horrible way to go. Yeah, but, totally does. I would have liked if they took his yeah. message to heart and they actually enough people band together to help him make it to shore, but. Yeah, 
it seems a little too easy, I think, for this maybe. Mm-hmm. And almost like he has to, like him being in charge and being like a use kind of, he kind of has to pay that price kind of thing. Like he realized all too late that it wasn't worth it. Like he was pushing their agenda just to further his own ends because he thought he could get out. Yeah. And now he's like, well, you kind of got to, you kind of got to pay that price. It's super interesting, right? Is like, I I suppose we, I mean, we have a relatively small glimpse of his, his, you know, life and everything in these three episodes. Um, But, yeah, I, I, there's a couple viewings you could do of it. Is one that yeah he was kind of committed to the idea and he he didn't really think through the implications of what he was doing in you know in perpetuating this system because it was easier for him kind of thing right and he was just he was just so mm-hmm. concerned about himself getting out. Um, I suppose the other view of it is that maybe all along he he did have this side of him of like well no I am trying to look out for my fellow guys and. And, you know, unfortunately, the system that we're working in, the best way I can help them and keep them all safe is by being this kind of, you know, genuine hard ass. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think it could kind of go both ways. But regardless, at the end here, he's like, you know what? No, I'm actually going to actually going to do something for the, you know, like, the. well, I mean, part of it is that, again, they just give him no choice. But yeah, part of it could be that he's kind of woken up to it. It's like, you know what? No, this is how we win. It's like we all fight together and, and stop pitting ourselves against each other it's larger than just my you know my room even in the 50 guys i take care of it you know we should all be on the on the same side here mm-hmm. and it's one of those like it makes his you know actions here all the more like kind of heroic right that he was like you know what no i i he, he must have known all along he wasn't gonna be able to make it all the way himself right right yeah well yeah there was only one way out right i mean it's it's better that at least someone get out than no yeah, one get exactly. out so and it, and as Cassian says, right? Regardless of what happens, you know they did all escape, right? Like you can't take that from them. Whether they're killed mm-hmm. or recaptured or whatever the case might be after this, they still did all that. They still did overthrow the prison and and take control, and they all got you know they were all free for at least a time. And again, it's like it's it's very much like a uh, you know philosophical sort of moral victory for them, regardless of whatever else happens. And it probably will have a similar effect, I imagine, to to Aldani, right? If it's able to get out in a yeah, yeah. larger galaxy of like that this happened, it should it might galvanize even more people. And it might be the same thing again, right? Where it causes the Empire to clamp down even harder and it just repeats this cycle, right? Which again is very much Luthen's plan, even though he had no hand in this, of course. Um mm-hmm. you know, it's all kind of the same the same idea. Which again has been very much present in Star Wars since the beginning. Like, well, absolutely. The Empire, any any system like this where it's just built on like cruelty and fear, it works to a, a point of like you keep everyone in line, but you yeah you just push too hard and people have nothing left to lose and they're gonna stop you. People break. So yeah, super compelling, really great stuff uh, out of the the prison subplot here. But we also got a couple others, don't we? Oh yeah. Uh, we have the next one is Mon Mothma, yeah. right? She only has she's top. What is it? The I was one gonna say, I think it's really just the one scene. It's a, it's it's pretty yeah, pretty packed one though. There's a lot there. Oh yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty intense scene. I liked it. Uh, so she meets up with the like career criminal guy that her friend was telling her about last episode, and they meet up, and he's like, oh hey, you know, he's talking a lot about her planet's practices. He mentions that in the beginning of their conversation, which. Maybe foreshadowing for later. Uh, so they're they're talking through it, and they're they're not obviously they're not they're speaking kind of in code and around the topics, but they all kind of know what they're talking about. 
go, we're doing charity work. Like, oh, you need to move this. And he's like, oh, yeah, very much discretion and all that. And uh, kind of at the end, he's like, how much do I owe you? He goes, no, no, I just need like, no, no fee. I just want to just want to come visit. And she's like, I'd feel much better if I'd pay. I don't want a favor. He goes, no, just me and my son visit. He's like 14. How old's your daughter? And then like it kind of horrifies her because what he's trying to do is arrange a marriage. He's trying to play on those traditions that Mon participated in mm. and have his son marry her daughter. And then he is kind of in on the money no matter what. Yeah. Kind of like a marriage alliance. Very much like Game of Thrones. Very Game of Thrones, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is very much a deal she is not receptive to and she kind of sternly asks him to leave but uh as he as he says in this one because she, she's like i'm not even i'm not gonna think about it i won't and he's like well that's the first un- thing, untrue thing you've said um because basically the the harsh reality of it is that she can't afford to not consider it right like yeah. it, you know it's and it's this is a very much like a personal sort of sacrifice that she's contemplating here and and a decision that she has to make right um, both for herself and like her family, but obviously, you know, more directly, even her daughter. And uh, it'll, yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see where she goes there because, like, this episode is, uh, that's one of the big themes I would say of this whole episode is sacrifice, right? It's what, what are you willing mm-hmm. to give for the cause kind of thing? Um, like we just said with Kino, right? He was able to, like, he was willing to, to help everyone else out and, and lead this whole thing only to know that he couldn't actually make it. Um, and, you know, Mon here, largely has not yet had to make any sacrifices i would say at this point right um she's yeah. somewhat removed from the the you know get your hands dirty um she has things. the luxury of of like lamp not lampooning but uh guess like lecturing luthan about like oh how about aldani like oh it's dangerous why would you do that and i was like and the other was just like well because i have to mm-hmm. like you don't you don't really understand what's going on because you're not you're down for it but not in the you're way not doing I the same like, stuff we are right like I'm in the field, I'm I'm making moves, making things are happening because of what I'm doing, and you're just kind of nodding your head and following along. But you got to kind of be about it soon enough. And so, you know, she's yeah having to contemplate this very personal sacrifice in in you know obviously the calculus that have to be going through her head is like you know is this is offering up my daughter in this way worth potentially you know trillions of lives right that we are trying to save from oppression because it's all for the cause right that's what that's what she's working towards here. She's trying to get money for her, for the rebellion here. And so she's, you know, going to have to confront it. And it's, it's like you said, it's a really great scene. It's a very, you know, again, like uh, a lot of the really great scenes in this show are, it's just, you know, it's just a conversation and it's yeah. just the, the dialogue. And particularly in this one, the, the performances are, they really sell it. Um, oh yeah. It's a top tier. Especially after uh, like when he leaves the room and the, the, the kind of reaction she gives, she, she kind of lets the mask down for a bit and is vulnerable there. And she's like, yeah, she's clearly very uh, upset by this whole thing. That's really, really stellar out of uh, Genevieve O'Reilly there. It's yeah, it's great. It's uh, yeah. Again, it was just this one scene, but really, really stand out. I would say everyone um, has been getting a lot of love this scene, this, this week for the, the performances. Um, is it Genevieve O'Reilly here? Obviously Andy circus and, and coming up here, uh, still in Skarsgård all did like exceptionally I think oh absolutely this is just a, a great episode top to bottom and now well speaking of Stellan Skarsgård I think we probably talk about his he's the last one right there's only yeah. three main parts mm-hmm. of this um so it starts off with well it's kind the, of the ISB subplot as well right they they cross over. right I was 
I was trying to think if it starts with him being like, oh, if it's a trap, I'm done for. I would say the first scene we get is Dedra and them talking again. About, it's one of the earlier scenes in the episode talking about okay. um, this uh, Krieger, anti Krieger, is that his name? His, his operation, um, this attack on, on Spellhouse that they were they were able to infiltrate last week, right? Um, mm-hmm. So um, they've, they've put that plan into motion to try to get in on there. Um, and uh, we've got the, the other... Um, one of the other, what what is she called? Whatever she's like a security lieutenant, whatever the fuck. Um, one of the, one yeah. of the other ISB guys there with her. Um, he's Lonnie, and they're they're putting this plan into motion, and they're again, it's all this like spycraft subterfuge stuff of like, all right, well we can't, we we did this, but we can't make it obvious, and if we don't, if we look into it, that's actually less suspicious than if we don't look into it because they would expect us to look into it and, and all this kind of stuff. So they're putting mm. their plan into motion here. And uh, is there any? I think that's kind of all there is in between. Then uh, you said uh, Clea comes in and she's like, "Someone, someone set up a meeting." So who, whoever it is, a person we don't yet fully know, but has left some some signs behind that they want they want to meet you, Luthen, face to face. So um, then it turns out that this. And I think did I tell you this to you? I think I did, right? That there's stuff in the trailers that suggest that Lonnie was a, was a mole. I think so. Yeah. I, you mentioned. I think. I don't I think it was off. The yeah, show. I think so too. You mentioned this, but yeah. So we actually kind of knew this was coming to an extent. But that's one of the last scenes here. Is that um, they said they they start this this meeting here. So uh, Lonnie, who is again that ISP agent, makes his way to the the lower the seedy underbelly of Coruscant. They clearly have some some kind of procedure for this. Um, there's like a they he leaves an earpiece in an elevator kind of thing, and and then they mm-hmm. have a, they have a chat. Um, and Lonnie basically tells him all this stuff of trying to be like, hey, they, they're on to anti-Krieger. You got to tell them to call it off. Uh, got to save those guys. And Luthen's like, no, nah, I don't think so. It's not worth it. Yeah, I don't think we should. Uh, if we if we do that, then it'll let them know something's up, that they, we have a mole or, or whatever. Whatever it would tell them, um, it's it's not worth it in this case. So I think we're just going to let them go, actually. We're going we're gonna to sacrifice those guys at the altar of... Uh, the larger cause here the, and the rebellion here and uh the what's his name lonnie. again the, the mole lonnie lonnie uh, one of his and he's like i want out like i'm telling you this last thing i have a daughter now like i just want to live my life and keep her safe and listen's like uh hate to do, be this guy buddy but i'm not letting you go not now <laughs> nah. especially not now nah you gotta keep you your to go. where do you where where would you yeah. go lonnie no 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 you think they just like no, no, no. They, gonna, they wouldn't let you leave? What are you gonna just had? You're just gonna resign the ISB? How's that gonna look, Lonnie? Yeah. Lonnie, no, you so don't really yeah. get a choice. I mean, I I wouldn't let you, but I'm almost. It almost doesn't matter what I think because you can't just leave the ISB. There, no, I don't know, Lonnie. You're not going anywhere, big guy. Hate to tell no, you. Sorry, it's like not my fault. You had a kid, man. Yeah, not really. He's like those guys. They're gonna die. It's gonna be fine, though. You know that's the price we're willing to pay so that your daughter can continue having a father, right? That's isn't that what we all like? We'd like that, wouldn't we? So, just be cool. Yeah, I know you'd like that, wouldn't you, so buddy? Just be cool, Lonnie. Just keep on keeping on. It'll be all right. All right. I got mm-hmm. I got lots of stuff I'm dealing with here. Okay. I got all kind of all kind of things on my plate. Okay. You don't think I'd like to just no? You're sticking around, Lonnie. Don't even worry about it. I couldn't. I couldn't spare you. I simply could not. I wouldn't dream to. And Lonnie's all like, "Well, I I don't like this. I'd like to. I'd like to stop, please." I uh, would. I you know, 
like you said, he's you know, I got the kid and everything. And, you know, this is kind of hard on me. And I don't think you appreciate that, Luthen, because, like, what are you even giving up? You don't have kids. Like, what are you, what are you sacrificing, Luthen? And uh, mm-hmm. Luthen in, in his, you know, very much in his, his form here, right? That Luth- we've seen a, yeah, <laughs> we've seen a, a handful of times on display at this point, which is that when he needs to, he he's he's can be a real uh, real drama queen. <laughs> so he really busts it yeah. out. Um, I I saw a couple of people this week say he's like he's like a full on drama kid or something. <laughs> he's like a theater kid yeah. with his with his fucking soliloquy yeah, or whatever. Real. Um, and he gives us yeah this really cool. I thought I found it really cool at least uh, mm-hmm. this monologue about all the things he's given up and how yeah he doesn't have a kid or whatever, but what he's done is he's sold his his soul really for this rebellion right mm, that, yeah. uh he's you know the the way he's approaching it and the the yeah the attitude he has to have to his allies and how he's not really he, he has to have this mentality where he's able to give up any of them right like whether it's Krieger's guys or this guy or Cassian and or like he's shown consistently throughout the season that he doesn't he doesn't really have affection for anybody and it's all about the cause and uh, yeah he's willing to let anyone go and that's i don't know it's fascinating this this philosophy is his right mm. he can't like truly get close to anybody because he knows like if he does he won't be able to do anything he has to steal himself he won't be able to do what needs to be done right and that's very much yeah. what not, was it? yeah i was gonna say it's it's very much like um like rand in the wheel sure. of time his mentality yeah. how he's like well i gotta do this this great thing and people are going to die so i can't i almost can't see them as people or else i won't be able to do what needs to be done 100 percent, right and this is very much i think who you need to to set this in motion right at this stage of the rebellion this is exactly the type of figure you need to be calling the shots here because he's not a general say right he's not going to be mm-hmm. like later on you know and this could he's this could almost be the reason we never see him again after this, right? It could just be that his his sort of role has run its course almost, right? Um, you know, mm-hmm. he's not going to be leading armies or whatever. Um, but for this early stage, when it when everything is so tenuous and so fragile, you need someone who's willing to just let him go, right? Like, yeah. well, thank you. You need someone who's willing to just, yeah, sacrifice lives, basically, as, you know, as tough as that is, as, like, cold and and everything it's like no we don't really have a choice because if i try to save everyone then we actually lose we lose it all right it was all for naught so you you know if antak krieger is the cost of like the continued larger rebellion that's fine but trying to save 50 men is gonna is gonna collapse this whole thing if we over it's gonna get us all killed we overextend ourselves and that's why you need someone like this right who has this this mentality and it's again this this speech is real good i love it i know i know some people have complained you know this week and all the way through and are basically that like it's a little bit boring maybe compared to some other shows because it uh mm-hmm. it has such a heavy emphasis on these these speeches and these conversations and stuff and there's less action at times um but i i live for this shit man yeah i, I definitely said i have a friend of mine definitely he said he likes andor but he's like it's not not quite what he wants from Star Wars, like mm-hmm. what he enjoys the most, which I think it is fair. Like you know, something like the Mandalorian oh, with course. their big action pieces and stuff. But I will say I'm definitely in your boat that I like it all. Like this stuff, 
the intrigue and the espionage. Again, we've made a certain, just kind of like Game of Thrones, just someone talking about their philosophy. Oh, yeah. Like how dedicated they are to a thing. Can't go wrong with a good speech. I like, love it. Yeah, I love a, a fancy written, yeah, like philosophical type thing like that. I mean, he's really, he, it, it really is approaching like a, a Shakespeare esque soliloquy with the yeah. shitty, yeah, with the shit he says in this, which I, yeah, I, I'm here for it. I loved it. He's talking that he's, He's made his mind a sunless place. He shares his dreams with ghosts. He, he burns his life for a sunrise he'll never see. I was like, holy shit. And he's really getting in the weeds. He of really is. Which, And you know what's fascinating about it to me, too, is that I feel like we still don't know that it's real, right? Like, yeah, this could be what he genuinely believes. This could be his actual thoughts on this, right? I also think at this point, from what we know about him, which is to say almost nothing, yeah, it's almost equally likely that this is a show this is just a show that he's doing for lonnie's benefit right mm-hmm. for all we know he doesn't feel this he doesn't care this much about it he doesn't give a shit really right maybe he sleeps no, like a, maybe he sleeps like a baby but this is like well this will this will convince him so i'm gonna <clears throat> gonna put on my little show here <laughs> because <laughs> from what we have seen of him he's definitely done that before right with cassian oh, yeah. some of the big speeches he delivered his way of like don't you want to? Don't you want to stand for something and fight? And I believe you're what we need. And you could be, you could be a real hero. And we could, we could defeat the empire if you just come with me, kid. And, yeah. And and stand up to these and fight these bastards for real. Is that what you want? And then like two episodes later, he's like, yeah, kill that guy, get him. <laughs> like, ah, yeah. Excellent. And, right? and this, speaking of that scene with Cassian, when he's talking about, it, it just reminded me that like this speech also puts against him giving Cassian that crystal. Like him giving him that personal piece of his, like you should take this and give it back to me later. Like trying to build that bond to get Cassian to do what he wants. Mm-hmm. Like if I give this to him, like what I know, what little I know about this guy, he's gonna take this and give it back to me and keep it safe and like secret because I asked him to. So I get a better chance of getting him alive because of this to keep him going. And it feels like it's that this speech is just for Lonnie's sake to be like, well, Lonnie, you given up your daughter, but I've given up everything. Who knows? Like, like you said, like it's very interesting that we don't. There's so much that can go either way. Like, who's the real guy? Yeah, I, I don't know that we have seen it yet, right? That we have seen who Luthen Rail really is. Like, you know, totally without. I, I would say probably his most transparent would would likely be the scenes in private with Clea, right? It, it would. I think mm-hmm. there's like a yeah. likelihood of of that. But even then, I, I don't know, right? Like, it, he's just he's just layers upon layers. This guy. Like, and I think that's so fascinating. I like this, this speech again, and I think it is really like interesting and it, it is very, you know, it's a very interesting philosophy to have as, as an early rebel like this. And I think some of this stuff probably extends to like your Sagarero types as well. Um, in, oh, yeah. in terms of the, yeah, just the ideology on display here. But again, I also find it fascinating that this might not actually be anything he really believes and that it's just for the, yeah, for the benefit of lying here to try to convince him um and because again he is very he's this is what he this is what he does right he's like he's basically just an actor every scene mm-hmm. we've seen him in is him putting on the, a little show right and then we see him put on his the the real show w- w- supposedly right which is when he gets all dressed up and he pretends to be a art collector guy or whatever but it's like is that so much different than this i don't yeah. i don't know it's like kind of the same and in, in some sense are they all just masks like it's fascinating i i love this guy man He's so good. I, again, I I live for fancy speeches. Maybe people find this tedious or like a bit pretentious to just have a guy speak in metaphor for a minute and a half at you. But I'm like, nah, this is cool. <laughs> this is real fun. That's what you want. I love it. 
man. I'm gonna. That's that. You know, I'm. I'm just gonna incorporate these in my daily vocabulary. You know, my mind is a sunless place, and I share my dreams with mm. ghosts, and fucking my my life is a is a sunrise or whatever. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, we love doing that. I mean, that's like our favorite thing to do. It's like my favorite thing to do. Um, I like the. He says I'm I'm condemned to use the tools of my enemy to defeat them. I think that's very. Oh, that's strong. a good one. Yeah, and it's it seems very on board. Like. Because he doesn't ever have to say it in this scene, right? But I think the the not so subtle implication is like, Lonnie, I will fucking kill you, <laughs> okay? Either yeah. you go along with this, or I'll kill you myself. All right, because I can't let you go, and I certainly can't let you turn me in. Um, my kind of question, the the thing I was left with after this was was sort of wondering is like, wh- where do we think Lonnie is? Do we think this convinced him, or is he see on precarious footing here? Could he potentially? flip and and try to turn luthan over um no i i don't know i don't think so i think i think he might be precarious but i think he might just be afraid of luthan like he more should like be fearful right? i mean that's what he'll do because even if he wasn't afraid of him now like a speech like this from his even if it's not real and he's putting on a show like Lonnie doesn't know that Lonnie's like this guy's kind of like off his rocker like he's going deep with this Mm-hmm. All right. If he, I don't know who the Empire might do something to, but he might get me first. Cause yeah, well, exactly. What, That's what he's kind of saying. That's what the whole speech is like. I'm as bad as them. Like you need to remember, I, like we're we are fighting ostensibly for the good, but I'm a I'm a real you know any means necessary kind of thing ends justify the means type dude. And for the time being, until we can reach this like idyllic you know sort of you know our our goal here. For the time being, I'm I'm just as bad as them, and you need to remember that mm-hmm. because I will kill you too. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. My thing with Lonnie is like the reason I would also I probably don't think he's going to at least not um, sort of voluntarily switch. Maybe um, I, I suppose someone could still unravel all this. Someone being Dedra, obviously, um, could still maybe catch wind of all this and unravel it. Uh, I would think that he's not going to voluntarily do it because he is probably smart enough and and you know literally having risen the ranks in the ISB knowledgeable enough to know that if he tries to go to the empire with this, he's, he, he won't receive any kind of mercy that he'd want. Would he? <laughs> no, they'll just, kill and him. he should know that again, he's literally in this, mm-hmm. in like the, you know, in the space Gestapo, right? Like yeah. he should know that that's, that's not actually going to go well for him. So it's kind of one of these, like, I guess this is the only, this is the only direction I can go, right? He's he's very much trapped, and they're both trapped. That's what this whole beating is about. It's like neither of us can, can get out of this now, right? Like Luthen says yeah, in his little speech, like I I looked down and I realized there was no more ground but left beneath my feet, right? Like we're both committed to these roles, and we don't really have a choice. It's it's either forward or you know or die kind of thing. It's it's sink or swim for us here, Lonnie. So there's only one way out. There's only one way out, which is I suppose very. Yeah, again, thematically relevant here, right? Like, you, there's no backtracking now. We're both in too deep. You can't just pull the burp cord on this and, and try to get out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but so, I, I don't know. I think he might be their weak link. It, it still could happen that Dedra catches wind of it, and that's how we get him. I don't know. I You know, we've only got two more episodes left, right? There's not a ton of, of you know, runway left in this particular season. So, I'm coming around to the idea that maybe Luthen will make it out, but I'm not, not sure. I think he'll make it out of this season but next season i think he's definitely on the chopping block i think i mean this is only this this cat and mouse game they got going on is is i think only really going to go one way or well either luthan has to get dead or dead has to get luthan right and now i suppose yeah. luthan has the upper hand here that he he he's been informed about her and he knows but 
again, he, there's only so much he can do with that information without, you know, without bringing too much heat on precisely. him. I mean, he, can prob- he can probably have somebody kill her, but that brings a lot of heat. Exactly. Where he doesn't want to go. So it's, it's a very precarious situation they're in now. And I think for storytelling purposes, if it, you know, if it has, has to go that way, I think it would make more sense storytelling wise for Dedra to get Luthen and then, you know, for her to continue on as a, as a threat for Cassian, right? Mm-hmm. More so than like, oh, Luthen just beats the main villain we've been setting up, and then they both, you know, they both just continue the next season. Like that doesn't make as much sense to me, just from a, a meta yeah. kind of perspective. But I speaking of meta, I did see an interview with the actress who plays Dedra, and she recounts of talking with um, Selen Skarsgård about how they didn't do anything together this season. Mm. I hope they can do something next season. So I don't know how true that is obviously i don't know how much if that reveals anything but it seems at least from this actress that they don't meet this season in any significant way like face to face Mm -hmm. so perhaps there is like she does catch more onto him that sets that up for season two but at least that's that could make sense again i mean there's only two more episodes left right there yeah and we have a lot of different loose ends that we could tie up this season and and also stuff we could leave for next season i like i feel like the theric stuff is going to get resolved fully this season so that Cassian can focus on like, all right, I'm a rebel now. We're doing rebellion stuff next season, right? Like there was already interviews and stuff where Tony Gilroy said, you know, they're going to Yavin next season. We're going to have like the full, the alliance is in full swing. We know there's lots of time jumps next season. Like these arcs are going to be separated more so by like years um, so that we can speed run the intervening five years here to, to bring us up right up to the doorstep of Rogue One. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I would I would have to imagine that the Ferric stuff could get resolved, but like yeah, I think Dedra could continue as a as a threat into the next season. That's like kind of yeah, over overhanging them. And then yeah, maybe Luthen could make it. I also think that there's something, you know, in uh in all the expanded universe stuff, right? We know that um Cassian at one point takes up the Fulcrum uh alias for the rebellion, right? Which is what mm-hmm. Ahsoka ho- holds. Um it's also Saw Guerrero's call sign variously and stuff. Um, which is a very similar sort of concept to Axis, right? Which is that you're the sort of the center point of, of this, you know, and it's, it's a very similar role as like, you know, it's a spy. It's like this, you know, espionage focused clandestine type operative within the rebellion. Um, so I also think that like, if Luthen did go down, it would make sense that Cassian would take this mantle up and kind of continue with the same work. Right. Cause he's, yeah, he's got the temperament for it, right? Like, I think he's suited for it, which you know, as we know from Rogue One, that's part of his kind of uh, motivation in that movie is like that he has done so much kind of dark, bad stuff that it's you know he wants some redemption for that, and that's why he does the selfless sort of thing at the end, right? Um, but that's again that very much fits with this this whole speech here and this philosophy, right? That he's done lots of bad stuff and he and he wants to kind of cleanse his soul to an extent. So I think it makes it could make sense that. I mean, and whether that means he, he just kind of falls in under Luthen and they work together for, for a while here, or he has to take it up or whatever, one way or the other. Um, I think it, it definitely seems to suggest that that's the, the path we're going to here, right? Cassian's mm-hmm. going to join in on the fight in this particular way. Yeah. All right. I, yeah, I think that, that makes sense just for story-wise. Um, did I, I sent you this tweet, right? But we can, we can bring it up here. Um, Tony Gilroy said, hopefully 11 and 12 are the most powerful two episodes that we have in our show. It's our emotional catharsis. It's our physical catharsis. It's our summing up of these 12 episodes. We've invested a lot in it, so we have high expectations that we're paying it off, um, which is 
super exciting for me. Oh, absolutely. It's just like, what even could that mean? Like, if it's if it's we've been on this episode, like exactly. Right? Good lord. Yeah. So we we've enjoyed these so much that it's hard to imagine that they could much much Climbs better. Much yeah. So it'll be good. I had a couple other tweets I could read off to you if you're interested. We had yeah, sure. Time. So I had the one, I I did send you this one, but it was um everyone else writing a writing a Disney Plus Star Wars show. The thesis of my show is I played with action figures as a kid, and now I get to make my favorite characters do cool things. And then Tony Gilroy, the one way out of fascist rule is armed revolution. <laughs> <laughs> it's a common death, death or, or freedom. Um, it's. it's we got some praise for Andy Circus. One way out. Andy Circus just came in halfway to Andor's a little surprise appearance and ended up giving one of the best performances in all of Star Wars. Legend shit. And what an achievement in storytelling and direction this episode is. Uh, very much agree. Absolutely. Um, Bo Willimon is the uh, the writer for this this arc. He wrote all um, all three of these. Um, this guy just said that Luthan speech too truly insane. Out of this world writing by uh, Bo Willimon. Stellan's on another level. <laughs> it's just a calm kindness kinship love i've given up all chance at inner peace i've made my mind a sunless place i share my dreams with ghosts and it's uh it's that gif where he's writing and the the page is literally on fire <laughs> yeah and what else oh it's uh, this one um i burn my decency for someone else's future i burn my life to make a sunrise i know i'll never see and it's uh it's luke watching the the binary sunset so it's kind of like yeah oh, you yeah. need you need guys like this to set the stage for Luke, right? Like, mm-hmm. which is again it's very much a philosophy that's like wrapped up in, in Sagarera and stuff, where it's like, yeah, it's easy to say, oh, look at Luke does it sort of the honorable way, and he does it the Jedi way, and they still win, isn't that like you don't have to be bad, right? You don't have to be like mean, violent. You don't have to be mean and violent. You can you can do things the right way and still win. And it's like, but he only had you know the opportunity, right? Because of everyone who came before him who was able to. Mm-hmm to set the stage for that right you know they they walked so luke skywalker could fly right so yeah mm, uh this is mace mesa windu guy who i follow he said uh i've seen enough and become my favorite Star Wars project of all time no other star wars show or movie has gotten me to invest like this and no other project has hit me in my heart like this has this the way this has me in a stranglehold um and i i kind of agree with a lot of that i don't gosh so hesitant to say it's my favorite favorite thing ever just because it's like it's like picking a favorite child jack i like it all so yeah. much but it's it really is up there man i don't know I, the, the i'm saying the mandalorian season three better blow me out of the water because i want that to stay my favorite but Andor's creeping up Andor is a tight second he's fighting for that number one spot yeah i get it he might, he might get it. like okay apparently it bears repeating because a lot of this is a continued debate again every single week of the show is like well it's good too you know and it's like yeah it is good too but also i mean again like i said up, up front right one of them has to be better like yeah something's got to be the best i'm not gonna say that i certainly doesn't mean i hate it or it's like i'm i'm not gonna play with you anymore like <laughs> i'm not throwing away Andor or uh the mandalorian but it's like i don't know this it's just it's just got a bit more edge i think and the same thing with like obi-wan right like we were pretty effusive in our praise for that show i really liked it i it it had some real highs for me but also it's like yeah there's i i think i would be i'd be lying if i said i didn't think this show had a stronger like production side of things right and that's not necessarily anyone's fault right just the time and place that obi-wan had to be made um Mm. i kind of had the deck deck stacked against it there um in terms of the actual story and like the 
again the emotional beats and the character stuff of it i think it's very very strong but uh yeah it's just didn't doesn't look as good which is definitely a factor and i just i don't think the writing is as strong necessarily in terms of dialogue and and character and stuff it's just not just doesn't quite have the same edge for me and again not that everything needs to be like and or whatever but i don't know man as a culmination of of things here and or really is exceptional yeah that well for sure it's it, it stands above most other things i mean going at star wars things is your live action shows i mean night and day between this and the book of boba fett yeah like, and pretty much everything right yeah like, that has its moments to be sure but like i don't think i don't think there's a single aspect of the book of boba fett that compares very favorably to this show right the, the uh, not at all. The characters, the writing, the production, all of it. And like people have drawn some some, I think, false conclusions about all that. Um some have been like, oh, well, clearly what's happened here with Andor is like they've given it more money because I, I don't know why, because Disney wants uh Disney they want a Disney character to succeed more so than the legacy characters of, of Boba Fett and Obi-Wan, right? Mm-hmm. Um and that's why it looks so much better is because they gave it more money and more budget and everything. And if they if they had given Obi-Wan and Boba Fett this same budget, um, they would look as good too. Um, which I, I suppose conceptually sort of makes sense until you learn that uh, per episode Andor actually has less budget than those shows. So Ooh, it, you hate this. It's dude. very much not just a money thing. Yeah. I, it's a gross oversimplification of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think one of the real, you know, strengths that this has production wise is that i think it knows its limits right the show mm-hmm. looks great but when you actually really get you know like look at it and realize what they're work with here there's a lot of really good sets that are like super solid and fill their role super well and and look very you know fleshed out and, and very star warsy and all that but they're also used a ton right oh yeah these are the same ones all the time i mean all of mon mothma's scenes have been pretty much in her apartment which means they had to make one really good apartment once. <laughs> and then you get to use it. And every time we're in there, we're like, ah, look at this good looking apartment. It looks so good. <laughs> That's it, right? It's been, you know, yeah. now seven episodes where pretty much every time we see Mon Mothma, she's in this apartment. And you're like, yep, still the same apartment. And it doesn't stand out to you as like, oh, they're still at her apartment where she lives. That's weird. You're like, no. She spends all her time and her family's at. It's like, no, that makes sense. It's yeah. with Lucent shop. You're like, oh, it's the shop again. Still looks cool. Still lots of fun details there. You know, the prison got reused a lot. The camp got reused a lot. Like Ferrix has been Ferrix. You know, the every Dedra scene takes place in that boardroom. <laughs> like, absolutely. So I think they maybe were just like whether the the show was written with this in mind or, or whatever. If it's just a, a you know the culmination of of all of that stuff is like, yeah, they they're very much you know playing to their limits here of like yeah they're using the most with as much as they've it got it doesn't ha- like the mandalorian goes to a different planet every week that's gonna naturally have more costs right this show did not do that and it's that's just a choice i mean it's not necessarily either one is right or wrong but if you're gonna try to do that then you're gonna be spread a little more thin right yes yeah, as the show just committed to like no we're, we're keeping it a little bit more low-key but everything's just gonna look a little bit better. We're just going to put a little bit more effort into each one of these, maybe, as I, as I think they did. Because Obi-Wan was the same way. They jump to a different planet every week, right? It's just a lot larger in, in scope and in scale and stuff, I think. Yeah. And uh, and I think also, like, story-wise, I guess, I think because the bar for the show like Obi-Wan is just higher than Andor. Because how much stuff do you really know about Andor? How much, like, 
outside of like you know intense star wars fans like uh you and by some extension me like a regular everyday person like my parents when they hear the andor show they go well who the hell is andor but they hear the obi-wan show they go oh it's the obi-wan show the guy we all know and we all have our own thoughts about so that's just going to be a hurdle not even based on like the actual product just in some in the consumer's mind so that'll also play a not insignificant portion in the reception of these kind of things because an obi-wan is crazy good that actually it only is considered to be only so good because people want it to be that good. They expect it to be. But when Andor is as incredible as it's been, it's even more so because nobody had any expectations for that. I think that's very apt. Yeah, there is undoubtedly, there was so much expectations. And we talked about that when we were watching it, right? Like that show was never going to make everyone happy. And it, oh, and it didn't. Um, Whereas this one, yeah, if anything, this is the sort of the opposite battle is like, getting it seems like some of their struggle has been getting people to care to begin with <laughs> mm-hmm, absolutely. Of like yeah so many people seem to just kind of s- skip over this one initially and not really care because they're like yeah whatever that guy who who's in one movie and then dies i don't whatever um mm. but yeah i didn't get in but i think you're right is that like in a in a sense that's that's liberating right because they just were like you know what i'm just gonna tell a story like i it's in star wars and all but i'm just gonna really let the you know the sort of clearly his ideas just kind of carry it of like, I'm doing, doing some themes. I'm doing some concepts, baby. We're getting, we're getting philosophical here. I've got this guy who's kind of, I've got a guy who's kind of a poet. What do we think of that? Do you win Star Wars fan? We, I got a, I got a fucking Karl Marx, Malcolm X amalgamation here. He's just going crazy. He's, he's absolutely spitting. It's going to be sick. (laughs) Like I, I, I think you're very right about that. Is that, because there is no Boba Fett or Obi-Wan or Darth Vader, no one really has those kind of expectations that are impossible to reach. And so that very much probably working in this show's favor too. Oh yeah. But uh, you got anything else to say about Andor this week? Uh, oh, what, I did want one detail. Um, did you catch the guy who was, uh, was watching Cassian's house? His mom? Uh, no. So obviously we see, uh, Cinta, she's still watching it. Right? She's still hanging on Ferrix, holding on for him. Um, and then the camera lingers uh, on another guy who is, um, I didn't know. I, it's one of those things where I was like, okay, they clearly are intending for me to know who that is. I don't know who it is, but <laughs> there's clearly something there. It's, it's one of Dedra's guys, like her other attendant. Uh, um, so right. the ISB has also got eyes on it. So I think I, I'm feeling like that's where it's going to culminate. Right. Cassian's got escape. He's escaped yeah. again. He's probably going to go back to Ferrix again. And this is where everything is going to, because we have all these factions who are going to converge here, right? Because Luthen mm-hmm. wants Cassian. Dedra wants Cassian. And Bix is there. Bix is there. Bix, like broken Bix. You, you, you can truly, like, this will definitely be the culmination of, like, everything. Yeah. It's like, they've, and now they've ruined your home. Mm-hmm. Like, they've, they've hit, they're slowly hitting you over this. Like, wake up, Cassian. Yeah, exactly. Like, you, you can't ignore this anymore. 100%. So, uh, I think, well, yeah, I think it's all I got. Okay, well, I think we can probably aggregate out of that and probably end it right about here. I don't have to talk about this week. Just, I mean, I talk about big shows, but topic wise, only the two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, as always, thanks so much for listening. Uh, you can always find us on Twitter at Akatech Jazz or on Gmail at Akatech Jazz at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at The Akatech Podcast. Our logo was done by a friend of the show, Jeffrey Gonzalez. You can always find him at inkocean.jpg on Instagram or on Redbubble. Our intro was done by a friend of the show, Celery Salt. Uh, you can always find him on SoundCloud. 
he also has a new song out now called uh, Jennifer Gray. came out on Thursday. Just wanted to tell everybody about that. So go give him a listen on Spotify. Show him some love. And as always, you can always listen wherever you find your podcasts. And as always, we wrote it. We produced it. We built all the sets. Take night to the people, Zach. Good night. Good night. And Godspeed.